0: Let us take a moment to pray for each other. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou amongst women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners now, the hour of our death. Amen. Lent, a season of penance and penance services like the one that we have tomorrow, a time for confessing our sins. Ah, those Catholics says the world, and their confession. Right? They can go rob a bank or commit adultery or murder somebody, and then they just go to confession and poof, sins are all gone, all responsibility observed or absolved. That is, you know, the way that the uh, non-Catholics often mock the sacrament of penance. And indeed, sometimes as Catholics we ourselves have a little bit of that attitude about it. We say, well, I, I know I shouldn't really do that and I shouldn't really drink that additional beer, or I shouldn't steal this thing from my workplace, or I shouldn't look at that thing on the internet. But you know what? I really want to. So I'm going to do it, and then I'm just going to go to confession later. We've had that attitude before, and you know, why shouldn't we, right? We hear all the time about the infinite mercy of God, that God is always going to forgive any sin, Last Sunday, we heard the great parable of the, the prodigal son. We saw how the, the kind of without limit, the father forgives his son. We hear today not a parable, but a real moment in the life of Jesus where he refused to condemn a woman caught in adultery. So why, why should we uh, not believe that no matter what we do, no matter what sin we commit, God will forgive us? Now, obviously, there's something wrong with this way of understanding the sacrament of penance. And this gospel of the woman caught in adultery really can help us uh, look at it afresh, understand really what confession, what the sacrament of penance is all about. So here you have this woman, and she uh, has been forcibly brought there before Jesus. They say they made her stand in the middle. She's there Towering before them, waiting to see whether or not they're going to stone her to death. If she could have gotten away, if she could have escaped, she certainly would have done so from all these guys who dragged her there. Then Jesus says his famous line, Let he who, among you who is without sin throw the first stone. And they all went away, it says, beginning with the eldest, beginning with those who were the wisest, who knew themselves best, who understood that they were sinners best. They all went away. Now, here's the question. Once that woman was left there alone with Jesus, with nobody else around, why did she stay why didn't she get out of there as quick as she could? I mean, sure, maybe she was grateful to Jesus that uh, he kind of got her out of the situation there, but it's not like they know each other. It's clear that she was just being used as a pawn in some kind of a political scheme here. And she was just caught in adultery. I'm sure she wants to, like, get out of there as quickly as possible. But she doesn't. Why does she stay as Jesus is riding there in the dirt? I submit to you that in this moment, this woman intuitively understood that the voice of Jesus, the judgment of Jesus, was the same as the judgment of conscience. What else is conscience, if well formed, if steeped in the study of Scripture and the study of the church's doctrine? What else is conscience but the voice of Jesus Christ? And you can't run from the voice of conscience. All these other uh, people, you know, they, you could say, represent other things as well. These people who drug her there to begin with, they're the uh, expectations of the world, the expectations of society, which are always changing. And therefore, we, we're never really sure about They're the accusations of the devil, because even though the devil is the one who tempted us to sin, he will be the first to accuse us for having done what we have done, rub it in our face. They are the accusations of our own guilt, which, if our guilt drags us there before the feet of Christ, is not a bad thing. But, of course, if the guilt stays around, hangs around, crushes us, stones us to death. None of us can live that way. That's why so many people spend their lives trying to escape the feelings of guilt, uh, to avoid the responsibility, because they can't face that guilt. But when that woman stands there before Jesus, stands there, you could say, before her own conscience, it is like when we stand before the priest in confession. Because in confession, in the sacrament of penance, the voice of our own conscience is made external in the voice of the church. They are both the voice of Jesus Christ. And when we stand there in the sacrament of penance, what happens? All those other voices, all those other accusations, they're banished. Jesus sends them away. We no longer care about the world, or, or the devil, or even our own guilt. We stand there, stripped, defenseless, before Jesus Christ, and we see ourselves the way He sees us. Which is to say, totally a sinner, totally unworthy, and yet totally loved, and totally forgiven. And that, my friends, that is the experience of true contrition. True contrition is our experience of that we are sinners, but that God will forgive us and love us if we acknowledge and repent. That... That is the real meaning of the sacrament of penance. So, of course, you can't just treat it like a magic bullet or avoiding a, a responsibility because it is truly a dying to ourselves, but a rising again. A rising again to live a new life in Jesus Christ. St. Paul, in our second reading today, he really... Um, you can hear in what he says here that he has experienced true contrition in his life; that he has stood and had this encounter with Jesus Christ. What does he say? He says, uh, "He says the righteousness of God." Let's see. Here, he says, "Not having any righteousness of my own based on the law, but that which comes through faith." He is that faith that comes from encountering Jesus Christ. He says, uh, sharing in his sufferings by being conformed to his death, if I may somehow attain the resurrection from the dead. See, that's, of course, why the priest gives you a penance at the end of your confession, so that you can share in the suffering and the death of Jesus Christ, so that you can rise again, rise again to go and do good things, to live again a good life, as Jesus says, go and sin no more. He says here at the end, just one thing, just one thing. Forgetting what lies behind, but straining forward to what lies ahead, I continue my pursuit towards the goal, the prize of God's upward calling in Christ Jesus. That is the sacrament of penance. That is someone who has experienced what it means to encounter Jesus Christ and his infinite love and forgiveness. Yes, we acknowledge our sins, but then we forget them. We leave them behind. We press forward to what is ahead. Not because we're not sorry, but because we are forgiven. And so this Lent, my, my brothers and sisters, if you haven't already been to the sacrament of penance, whether it's been 30 years or 40 years or six months or a week, This is what we come to do, to stand defenseless before the sacrament, before Jesus Christ in the sacrament of penance, and to hear when the words of the priest are said over us, I absolve you from your sins in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit, to hear Jesus saying to us in those words, Neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more. Die to yourself so that you may rise to new life in Christ.